0: Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it's both normally my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you a specific takeaway, all so that way your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, I say normally because I want to do something a little bit different today. Uh, It's right at the time of the recording. It's still the beginning of the new year, and I figured, why not do a State of the Union? And for me what that means is kind of uh, reflect upon a lot of things that have been on my mind beyond just creativity and more so in the greater world and how we can essentially make collectively 2022 better uh, for everyone involved, right? And part of that is, okay, reflecting on what has happened and how to move forward, right? And in many ways, I've been sort of avoiding this episode because it's like, well, who am I to add anything and what could I possibly add to this discussion that's already been said or hasn't been said, rather? But I think I've found things that that are a little bit different or connect different pieces in a new way. And if nothing else, I am a firm believer in that the messenger is equally as important as the message. So I'm not delusional in thinking that everyone's going to hear this and all of a sudden, you know, uh, think the way I do or that I even want them to think the way I do. But, But at least, you know, there's a few that I feel like through this I can open up some minds and get people to think about things in a more critical way and take a pause. And I think that's part of what's needed. Uh, so this has nothing to do with creativity, um, whatsoever. It's more about, you know, as the title implies, the state of the union and the state of America as seen through my eyes. And I will at the end, you know, offer up some quick updates about, you know, things in my life, but, um, but that's not what the focus of this episode is. And, you know, part of this is why I wanted to do this was because I have a lot of friends that don't think the way that I think, right? And that's okay. But we, in many ways, have kind of made it not okay. Uh, In the past two, maybe three years, maybe more, uh, I've seen various people across social media platforms of like, if you support this or if you think this, then I'm, I'm blocking you, I'm unfollowing you. And I don't think that's a good thing. I really don't. And let me like, because the thing of it is, we don't agree with people a hundred percent. We never will. We just won't. In fact, I don't agree with myself a hundred percent of the time. So how can we expect that of other people, right? To to that that they have to Reflect exactly what, what we believe in. So we just have to understand that more, more on that in a moment. But the kind of jumping off point for me uh, is that it's a quote from Erwin McManus, who's a pastor. And he says that we have become infinitely creative at finding ways to divide ourselves. You know, us versus them. <laughs> and you could think of Democrats versus Republicans, uh, vaxxed versus unvaxxed, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> freedom, anything, all right? You know, what it means to be a patriot uh, and so forth. How to tackle this pandemic. Um, just, again, any number, infinitely and an infinite amount of ways to divide ourselves. A more recent kind of example within my life uh, was the term doing your own research, right? Uh, to one group, it represents uh, free will, informed thinking, and independence. While to another major group, it implies stupidity, arrogance, and selfishness. And yes, from the outside, uh, I can come off as the latter. Now, uh, certainly I've taken the vaccine, I've gotten the booster, and I've advocated for its use. But that doesn't mean I don't listen to the skepticism. See, going back to the idea that we don't agree with people 100%, I actually take it a step further. And I try to follow people, whether I know them or different people, who I disagree with. And that is precisely the reason I follow them, right? So, for example, I do follow, like, PragerU. I listen to Tucker Carlson from time to time and Ben Shapiro on subjects. And to the same token, Joe Rogan had on this doctor, Dr. Robert Malone. And many people who don't believe in the vaccine point to this interview as a case study or evidence of, you know, this is, this is what they've been talking about, right? And it makes sense. Uh, you know, the, for, the, for the majority of people vaccinated, you know, the, the line of thinking is follow the science. And it's like, well, now here's science trying to disprove that as opposed to, you know, like a Brett Favre or something like that. And rather than be dismissive, I took the time to listen to those arguments. I did the same with the pandemic, actually, when that video was circulating, if you remember that, from way back in the beginning of the pandemic. And I have to say, like with the pandemic, I disagree with Dr. Malone. To me, he uses buzzwords, general terms, and cherry picks examples. And uh, in so doing, manipulates correlations as causations. Uh, And and listen, I can't, like, disprove everything in that sense. But one major thing that, like, stands out to me is, you know, he compares this to, um, to Germany at the time of Hitler. Well, first off, this is a global problem, not just a national problem, right? And second, his points are very general, right? He uses pronouns of they and 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 them and so forth and it's like depending the the nice part about that is you can whatever sort of mindset you're of you just interpolate and plug and play you know who you want them to mean and then of course it's gonna make sense to you and you're gonna like oh wow and that's the, the the thing with conspiracy theories Or just things in general. Is that there's an appeal to it, right? Um, There's a group that feels marginalized in many ways. Or, you know, it's the sexy thing of thinking that there's uh, some secret that you're in on that other people don't. And you have to warn everybody. So, that becomes very alluring. And... The other aspect is that why it also works is because, to me, the theory of the horseshoe really does prove itself and and, and is evident. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the horseshoe theory, what it is is that we we think of, let's say, Democrats and Republicans as just like a line, right? Like a spectrum. It's a straight line across, horizontally, meaning that they're different, right? They're supposed to be polar opposites. And yet they're not really in terms of the execution. Because, so think of a horseshoe, right? It bends. And so a lot of the same tactics uh, and, and execution of actions and so forth really tend to mimic themselves. And a lot of the same complaints just become mirrors of each other, right? So, what the left complains about the right, the right complains about the left. Like, it's vice versa. You know, it's... So, that's why, to me, the horseshoe does work and and, and why an argument with general terms is seductive for people because they can plug and play their values no matter what side that they're on. And... Obviously, that worries me, but I'll speak to that in a moment. Um, but going back to Robert Malone, it's not that I also disagree with him 100%. Like, that's the thing of it. I disagree with him on a lot of things, but that doesn't mean I disagree with him on everything. right? And that's something that I think we all need to get a good grasp of. It's not. It's not binary of on or off. You know, do I agree with this person? Yes or no? No. I, do I agree with this person on this topic? <laughs> you know, The specific. So, and uh, we need to become better at that. Yeah, because I'll be. I'll be honest. You know, uh, from my perspective, I'm living through a second failed presidency, <laughs> as far as the pandemic is concerned. You know, and I know some people like, how could you say that, this and that? And it's like, okay, well, why were we caught flat footed with this damn testing again and with Omicron and things like that? Well, we didn't know about Omicron and you know came on so, so it's like, no. We knew we as the leader, we have to know better. That I mean the evolu- in fact it's what we wanted. The evolution of a virus is to be more contagious and less severe, right? So it's like, okay. In fact, we should, that's what we wanted it to be. I mean, I, I, the ideal would be less contagious, less mild, right? But all the same, you know, if you're gonna pick one, it's like, okay, well, this is gonna be its not, you know, optimal inclination of the evolution of the virus. So why are we flat footed with the testing? And it's interesting because when, you know, I've seen the discourse around testing and and this topic specifically online and people are very quick to point to, well, it's for the, you know, it's because of the unvaccinated, it's for the unvaccinated. It's like, no, testing's for everybody. (laughs) When did that become like a thing of one versus the other? Because if we all are testing, then we can have a much healthier society, (laughs) right? So talk about The horseshoe effect, you know, just we just reflect each other's worst traits, ultimately. So that is part of the reason why I don't think no, we're 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 not better off, you know. And I think listen, I think I think there are things that Biden has done well uh, that Trump didn't do, and believe it or not, there's some things that Trump did that Biden didn't do. Um, It's crazy to say no this is the part of moving forward in a lot of ways is to recognize the truth and not just cherry-pick certain things. We, we, you know, in many ways become so paralyzed by the truth just because it doesn't fit a specific narrative. Uh, And that's scary to me. It really is. Now... How we switch that up is well, let me take a step back apologies you know let's let's start with the macro of things. How do we move forward well, in terms of the i think as far as The pandemic's concerned understand that this is where we're at you know this this is just the point in time we're at and some people believe in the vaccines and some people don't and yelling and shouting is not going to convince anybody right it's just simply not and it's like byron katie says when you argue against reality you suffer (laughs) and there's a lot of people that are pro-vaccine that are suffering tremendously and i'm not you know yes i'm talking mentally just by by the sheer stance of of just trying to argue with someone who's you know in many ways not going to be convinced of that line of thinking so we have to accept that and what we also have to accept is that i think that specifically as far as you know vaccine hesitancy and so forth is concerned it's because there's just huge skepticism against big pharma and government. And I mean, quite honestly, I understand why. The messaging from the CDC has been so damn confusing. Who's supposed to keep it straight? How are we supposed to believe things? And especially more recently, when the quarantine time got less than five days, when it coincided with the, the, the CEO of Delta requesting that to happen. So it's like, who's really pulling the levers here? I understand the skepticism. The other aspect of it is in- inadequate health care. Most people don't see a doctor yearly. And even those that do, you know, I mean, how, how long are they really talking with their doctor? Not much, right? Maybe an hour at most, to be honest. That's not enough. So we have shit healthcare. And yes, you know, a big argument, and, and it's, it's we are all responsible for our health. I don't disagree. And this is really the underpinning of my argument for all of this. It's not a case of this, um, this or that. It's a case of this and that. Right? We have to get rid of or. Stop with the binary thinking. It's and. So we need better health care, and we need to take care of ourselves. You know, uh. The the, the the pandemic could have been the catalyst to get citizens healthy. But our culture is more interested in just a quick fix, aka okay, the, the, the drug, um, which baffles me, right? We just... We, like, why were we so susceptible to begin with, right? People, we talk about core morbidities and so forth. Like, we eat so much damn processed food and... As a culture, we're not really healthy. We're sitting down most of the time and so forth. It's not a good way to live. So, yes, for me, I think the vaccines are a fantastic tool. But I don't think they're the only tool. We need exercise and also mental health as well. And that's how you combat the pandemic on all F in fronts but we haven't done that you know we as a society um at least you know whatever half of it let's say right he's just uh for argument's sake has decided like you know the vaccine is what will save the pandemic and it's like no all these things come to play i'm still baffled that you know one of the slogans was we're on this together right and One of the interesting things when the pandemic hit for me was really seeing how things played out and how interconnected things really were. The butterfly effect in full effect. You know, there's a wonderful book called um, Banks a Thousand, I believe is the title. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the author. But he, uh, AJ... A. J. Jacobs, um, that's his name, and they would they would say a prayer at dinner. You know, his family, so his wife, his kids, and they would say, you know, Lord, thank you for the food we're about to eat, and thank you, you know, may you bless all the people that help provide this. And one of the kids, interestingly enough, said like, Hey, like you keep saying, you know, bless those people. What have you ever like thanked them? And this created, like, this, this you know, and, and to many, insane experiment where he literally wrote thank you cards to everyone that was responsible for his morning coffee. And you might think, okay, well, how many that could be? Quite literally, it's going to be thousands. Because he wrote thank you cards to the people, the the, the owners of the coffee beans, the 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 growers and the pickers of the coffee beans, um, the truck drivers, the factory workers, the barista, um, the, the road workers that painted the lines for the trucks, the people that made the roads, uh, the, the cleaning staff for all these various places, um, you know, had a hand in helping prepare his morning coffee. So thanks a thousand. And so you realize how, how many things come together for seemingly mundane things that, that we just take for granted on a, on every, not even every single day, every single second. That's what's crazy to me, right? But that's because we fall into our natural default setting of, as David Foster Wallace talks about it, you know, ourselves. There is nothing in this world, as he argued, that that's a that doesn't support the insidious belief that you are at the center of the universe and there's no experience that you've had that isn't your own ultimately but people who can get beyond that we term them as well adjusted and it's not an accidental term right so when it comes to all the things that i'm talking about right i'm going to expand this beyond just the vaccine but we have to go beyond our natural default setting of anger, jealousy, and you know, pettiness, and all these different things. We have to have intention for what we say and do, and part of that is taking a step back and becoming a little bit more critical. We have to start bringing people in. You know, I think we we have to st- stop assuming that we are. The only correct ones. That our opinion, that we have done all the research there is and that there is not a perspective beyond our own. That's not true. As I said, you will never agree with someone 100%. Instead, find the commonality. And this is a hard thing. Don't try to convince anyone of anything. Listen. And that's it. That's it sounds so boring and mundane and simple. And yet it's not because of how many people don't actually know how to listen. And I'm not exempt from this. I'm exempt from none of this. I have been part of the problem equally as anyone else. But, you know, very recently I put up an episode of how to know if you're actually listening and a simple exercise i'm going to repeat it and give it here is start your sentence with whatever the last word was of the person that spoke and you'll be surprised how much you don't actually listen because you're never really hearing the last word of their sentence uh, most times you're just quick to jump in with your response it's not really a response it's just a reaction because if you were really responding you would have listened to what they said And that's me as a path forward. It sounds so naive in many ways, simple-minded, if you will, but really just the ability to listen. You know, why is social media such a booming platform? Because we all want to be heard. Right? But the problem is no one's listening. And when no one's listening, people get angrier and angrier. No one's listening to me, quite literally. And then we think of the other side. However, the other side, you know, at that moment in time, is defined by you to be stupid. They don't get it. Maybe they do. They just see they just see something differently than you or I. But we have to listen. You know, that's the other thing when, when I talked about the vaccines. You know, we, we like liken that to the quick fix of the pandemic. And it's not, it's all the other things, exercise, eating well, and all that stuff collectively, which is a hard path. But we like the vaccine, or at least, you know, again, a portion likes the vaccine because it's a simple thing to point to. And when it comes to unifying a very tense nation, there is no, I mean, it's simple, but not easy. And it takes work. The, the author of Getting to Yes, uh, William uh, Uri, I believe. I uh, Apologies, I, I forget the last name. But, you know, he's made it his life's work to, to essentially be a peace negotiator in very hostile situations. And he's very convinced that as a nation, we can do it. So I'm very encouraged by that, that we've not reached, we've not gone beyond a tipping point. But it starts with us. We have to recognize, in order to change the world, we have to change ourselves. And, and taking that and diffusing and being compassionate to somebody and having true empathy and seeing where they're coming from instead of, belittling them based on what they believe that's how we get there and it is worth fighting for you know and it's not like you cannot go in you cannot truly listen if your only intent is to listen and then try to refute their argument because you have to be willing to accept that you won't be able to convince let's say 99.9% of people and even that 0.1%, you could, you know, in, in some ways it's like, okay, well, someone could say that's worth fighting for. And to a degree it is. That can't be the goal. The goal is just to listen. You know, because an interesting part is, uh, you know, like with matter, conflict doesn't really go away. It just doesn't. You know, back in the day, and I'm talking like, you know, hundreds if not thousands of years, uh, most of our problems were external. What are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? That type of stuff, right? That was the worry. Now we don't have to worry about that stuff so much. So then our, so then our conflict becomes more existential. You know, what's the meaning of life? Blah, blah, blah. What's a better way to live? Da, 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 da. And I'm not belittling one or the other. It's just a fact of life. You cannot destroy conflict, but you can transform it. So when it comes to, you know, right now there's a lot of tension and, you know, there's this. Both sides talk of bloodshed and like a, a, a second civil war on the onset and so forth. Scary stuff. So you're not necessarily going to get rid of that conflict, but how do you make the conflict healthy? So instead of, instead of guns, how do you actually talk and communicate, right? Change that conflict into a debate. That's the thing of it. And it starts with, we have to humanize everybody instead of dehumanizing them. You know, interestingly enough, just just very recently, I learned that in about uh, 1994, there was the notion from Newt Gingrich and so forth that uh, constituents in Washington, they shouldn't, you know, they should go back to their their voters, right? You know, they, they should be near the people like you know of of whatever district they represent and so forth and on paper that sounds good but number one it's bastardized because really it's all about uh it's become you know more about uh campaign funding and campaign raising than actual constituents you know actual work uh and uh, you know I'm, i'm not trying to say that's everybody but A vast majority, that's kind of become a byproduct of it. And it's not an insidious thing. It's just kind of the, the nature of it, right? You know, everything has a pro and a con. And we have to accept that. And then the other byproduct of, you know, switching to this type of thinking was before, you know, when people stayed in Washington and lived in Washington, they would see each other beyond their work. They would go to their kids' Little League games. They would have dinners together. So that offered the opportunity to see each other as human beings on a level of like, okay, I don't agree with all of his policies or her policies, but you know what? He's a good parent and he does care. And so there's something there, right? Finding the commonality, but we got rid of that. So, you know, that's a thing that I think we need to, to change. But you know, as Tolstoy says, everyone wants to change the world, but nobody wants to change themselves. So I could sit here and name off all the things that you know we should do as Americans. But it you know, for me, it really goes back to that idea that we have to start with ourselves, and we have to be empathetic and willing uh, of our of our people. Around us, friends, you know that I, I began this episode overall with the idea that stop blocking or defriending someone just because you disagree with them. You know, it's it's one of the hardest things to do to accept them. It's interesting to note the Harry, po- Harry Potter fans, right? J.K. Rowling with those books has done something so incredible it, it, it's, it's very difficult to put into words and wrap your head around and there's a lot of wonderful things in there that have affected people positively namely inclusivity and seeing themselves in a positive way but then when it comes to transgender you know certainly they don't and like and I don't agree with uh, with her thoughts on on that But again, it can't be, it it, it doesn't mean that I have to discredit what she brought in with Harry Potter and the goodness that that provided. It's a very difficult thing to see people in their full complexity because people are really effing complex. They really are. So, I can agree with with J.K. Rowling on Harry Potter and a lot of other things. Like, I think she's a phenomenal author. And I can disagree with her about trans rights. Just that simple. And we have to accept that. Because, you know, here here, here was an interesting thing. When we speak of love, right, really, that like in, in self help, books and so forth the the goal to attain is to be love when you are enlightened you have love for yourself and for the world around you it's like okay that's that's all nice and it sounds flowery and it's very poetic but it's very intangible how do you measure that well here was an interesting way i heard it discussed when you think of a flower you know let's take a rose wonderful smell looks beautiful, and so forth. But a flower does not pick and choose who it shares its scent and beauty with. It just is, right? So it doesn't make a distinction of you're good, so I'm going to allow you to smell my fragrance versus you're bad, so I'm going to smell like a skunk or something like that or like shy away from you. No, it shares its beauty with everyone. And when you really work on yourself, you will love people all the same, regardless of whether they are Democrat, Republican, vaxxed or unvaxxed, and so forth. That is how you love. Because you do not get that, like, unconditional love. That's what it is. You do not get to pick and choose. That's very hard for people to grasp. And when you let, you know, and, and as humans, it can be very interesting. You have to get to that point of, like, where you actually love the person, but also know that you can disagree with them on X, Y, and Z. Humanize them. And I haven't figured out how this fully ties in, but in The Kingsman, I thought this was a very interesting quote. Respect is what people think of you. Character is who you are. So, if anything, I guess through social media, it's very easy to form, you know, a persona of how we want to be seen. But character is who you are. And that's for you. And and how you engage with people. Um, You know, I don't engage with um, a lot of, people that may think differently through social media because for me, I know it's not the right platform. It needs to be more private and intimate knowing that there's no judgment. It's just a conversation. So those are the things that have been going through my mind and I remain optimistic, you know, and I have high standards for the world. And for myself, and I don't intend to let them slip. You know, it's like it's like dating. You know, they tell you never, let, you know, have high standards. That it is out there, and I believe, for the most part, we all want the same thing. We're all fighting for the same enlightenment, as my friend Cody Schram would say in, in one of his um. Uh, he has a song called Mankind, and that's that's a lyric from it. But it starts with us, and that's hard. That's difficult. You know, we want the simple answer. We want the vaccine of humanity. <laughs> Maybe not most. So, but we all, you know, we all have to recognize like we would like the world to be better. We just define it in different ways. So that's what's been on my thought, my my mind. Um. I do want to give a shout out to Ken Napsok for um, being an incredible patron of mine on patreon.com slash phil svitek. Um, and the reason I'm shout, you know, one of the perks is I shout out my patrons. So shout out Ken Napsok, a great friend as well. Uh, and uh, just to kind of end on a different note, you know, I, m- I mentioned... That I would kind of just say, I'll give it a quick update of where things stand for me creatively, you know, uh, bullet pointing it. Uh, I'm editing my second feature film, and right now there's a grant that I'm a contention for, but they want to see a 60-minute uh, rough cut by January 18th. So it's off to the races for that. I've got about 32 minutes edited, so that's a week and a half's worth of work. Um so uh, not a lot of time left to get to sixty minutes, uh, but I have my friend Khalil uh, Abdelrahim helping as well. So that way we're tackling it together, and um, you know we're gonna we're gonna do we're, by hell or high water we're gonna make this deadline, because um, we want to you know in in many ways it, it can seem like an impossible task, but uh, you know it's funding for the movie and it's worth going after. And what's the worst case scenario? That we have more of the movie edited, right? If we don't get the grant, we're farther along than we were before. So, hey, that's not a negative. Uh, And because of that, I've kind of um, put for this week on the back burner my, uh, my next novel, but I did outline that and I had a great meeting with uh, people I respect, John Comerford and Emily Krempholtz. Uh They're wonderful storytellers. And so, you know, we went through and you know, talked about the positives and the things that could be improved. And so now I'm gonna go for a more specific chapter by chapter outline of like, here's what happens and here's why it happens. Uh, and so that'll be good. And then from there, start writing it so hopefully by the end of january i'll have the full chapter by chapter breakdown and then in february can start writing but um but that's kind of long and short of it and uh yeah i as far as the movie our our goal is to have a submission festival ready copy um by march 18th um because that's the deadline for a festival that i want to get into and you know, I told the team like, "Hey, let's just try. If if everyone tries and we don't make it, we don't. We're not gonna put, uh, we're not gonna put an, uh, a bad representation of us out there. Uh, but as long as we try, then that's all I care about. You know, it's it's a, it's this one requires a lot more than my first feature film. Number one, it's longer. Uh, two, it's more complicated. It's got way more characters and." Uh, intricate sound design and color and you know I want to uh, with the score there's a lot of things I want to do and so it's going to take a little bit more time there's also visual effects that my first movie didn't have but we're going to try we're going to see and you know either way you know at least we'll be further along than we were you know it's about progress not, not perfection and so forth and all that stuff so little by little if you can make progress every day that's a good thing and that goes for everything I said in the State of the Union. You know, I don't expect you to suddenly have it down pat of listening. Again, I don't either. We're all human. But progress, little by little, awareness goes a long way. Uh, likewise, uh, if you're trying to get better with your finances this year, um, then I, could, I would encourage you to check out financiallyfitfoundation.org. We have a lot of workshops coming up, and I say we because I am a board member on the Financially Fit Foundation. It's a wonderful nonprofit organization. The workshops are free, so it's not like, hey, sign up for thousand dollars. No, it, they're free, which is incredible. Um, you know, we, we strongly believe in this. It's a nonprofit organization, and we want to we want to help people. It's a program, um, if you want to call it that, that has helped me years ago and. That is why I'm able to do many of the things that I'm I'm, I'm able to do, the things that I want to do. Likewise, uh, I give a shout out to Ken Knapsack uh, through my Patreon page. If you, you know, want to support me and also have more direct interactions, then Patreon is the way to go. You know, Um, likewise, you can support me through my art. You know, I have movies out there, uh, books, uh, merchandise, all that stuff. It's linked to below. It would mean the world to me um if you check those out you know any anytime someone reads my book or or watches my film and they say good things it, it means a lot to me and even if they don't you know even if they don't love it um it's still fun to have that discussion of like what, what didn't you like about it you know at least at least they took the time to check it out i'm grateful for that um so anyway thank you uh, a big portion of this episode was all about listening. So comment down below, let me know your thoughts, uh, questions you may have, any of that anything of that nature. And I appreciate you. i hope to see you next time.